0: Good evening, everyone, and welcome to Fired Up, the hottest sports show in Central Ohio. The show where four sports fans talk sports for the fans. Our topics for this evening are UFC 276, live from Las Vegas. Hot dogs, fireworks, and Uncle Sam, what more could you ask for? The USFL season is coming to a close. Who will take home the inaugural championship? The MDA draft came and went. Which teams are headed in the right direction and which are not? a couple of NBA guards are staying put. What's next for the Lakers and the Nets? The Utah Jazz have found their new coach. David takes down the Goliath in the Stanley Cup finals. With that, I give you our assistant chief of our fire brigade, Colton Cow.
1: Thanks, Matt. Appreciate it. Uh, we are here on a on a Wednesday night, beautiful Wednesday in Delaware, Ohio, back down in Matt's basement. Um you know, filling in for for the chief at the as the MC for tonight. Um unfortunately, he wasn't able the chief was not able to join us so it's just me and matt in the studio tonight so the you know the the usual usual three is down to two so we're going to try to try to make this work with just just the two of us so we'll see we'll see it how it goes but uh like matt said we're going to start off a little bit of uh ufc talk this uh to start off the show and uh yeah ufc 276 live from from las vegas uh Matt, what what you think? A couple of, a couple of title fights on the on the main card there. So yep. you know, feel free to you know talk about what 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 you want. there. Sure,
0: yeah. Well, uh, we'll start off kind of with the middleweight title fight there. You got Israel uh, Adesanya. He's a twenty two and one in the UFC. He's currently the championship there, the middleweights. He's won nine of his last ten fights, uh, and the only fight he lost was actually a, a fight. Uh, he was stepping up in weight class, fighting for the light heavyweight title, and ended up losing that one. But he's he's just been on fire lately. He's taking on uh, Jared K- Cannoneer, mm-hmm. yeah, he's fifteen and five. He's six and four in his last ten fights. You know, I mean, just look, kind of looking at their stats and and how they've been fighting here of late. It, it seems like this is Israel's the lose and mm. I, I don't see uh Kenier staying that close.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, like Matt said this is this is middleweight so that that weight range or you know, weight class for that particular uh, you know, weight class is uh one, 171 to 185 is the the pounds there. So, you know, like Matt said, uh, you know, Jared Jared Cannonier, the the number 2 uh ranked uh guy in in this weight class uh coming in with an overall record of 15 and 5 going up against the champion and you know maybe easily one of the the, the goats or up there towards the goat conversation of of all the UFC fighters uh is Israel Adesanya uh 22 and 1 coming into this one um this is this will be Adesanya's uh fifth title defense at, at middleweight so he's uh you know defended it you know four other times before then and you know has has done it in somewhat convincing convincing fashion but uh you know, don't don't uh, you know overlook the the uh, you know the thirty eight year old uh, cannoneer coming into this. Um, he does have you know the explosiveness, and I think maybe the the strength or you know kind of one punch knockout power behind him that that maybe some of the others that have tried to knock off Izzy here haven't haven't necessarily had. Um, and it's interesting. I was I was kind of reading. Um, cannoneer actually started out in heavyweight in the heavyweight division oh, wow. and and worked his way down to middleweight. And since he made that jump he's six and one in his, in his record since 2018, since making the, you know, cutting, cutting weight and and getting down to middleweight. So, you know, it seemed to be the right thing for his career, at least for the, in the UFC. And, and honestly, his only, his only loss in middleweight was uh, back in 2020, he lost to Robert Whitaker, who Israel Anansanya just beat here recently in one of his title defenses. And and it was kind of an unfortunate thing. Uh, You know, Kandenir actually broke his arm in, in one of the like, first opening minutes of it so mm-hmm. it's like you didn't really get to fully see how it would have played out i mean and, and even though you know cannon was somewhat you know fighting with a broken arm he still kind of went toe to toe before you know robert whitaker was able able to put it away or you know put it he was able to do do some damage to, to robert there uh, even with you know one, one arm down if you if you yeah, will so they
0: show some real gut and grit right there, right so i think
1: there. i think you know it, it, you don't want to you know overlook this guy uh, but yeah i think izzy is just a, a great overall great great fighter i mean he he you know has a little bit of a little bit of everything right. um you know mostly you know kind of a ground and pound get you to the get you to the ground and you know submit you type type deal um he's not really gonna gonna knock you out per se but he's just a really great tactician and just you know gonna be able to you know he, he's done this before he's obviously been in this spotlight multiple times he's, he's used to the used to this so i think you know with with cannoneer kind of coming into this a little bit a little bit fresh you know not not used to being in the bright lights, it's gonna be a little bit different him different for him, but I think uh Israel Audensanya gets gets the win for, you know, and and defends his title there in, in, in middleweight. So yeah. and then uh stepping over then to the other, you know, the kind of co main or you know, the other title fight that's on the on the main card, and that's uh the featherweight title fight, which is uh one thirty five to one forty five um, uh, weight wise. And that's the uh, number one ranked Max Holloway coming in with a record of twenty three and six, going up against the current champion in Alexander Volkanovsky, who's twenty four and one. So, Matt, what you what you think about this one?
0: Yeah, I think this is definitely going to be the, the more entertaining of the two mm-hmm. fights. These two have actually squared off twice before mm-hmm. against each other, yep. and bo- both fights went to went to decision. Mm-hmm. So, you know, these two have gone the distance against each other. Yeah,
1: Vol- Volkanovsky getting the the best of both of those, right. but yep. you know, third time's a charm maybe here <laughs> for Max Holloway. <laughs> good,
0: good so, maybe you know, you, you, you give yourself a chance staying in the fights, and, and I, I believe the first one was a split decision, the second one was a unanimous mm-hmm. for uh, for Volkanovski, so, I mean, Max Holloway's been right there with him both times, and, right. you know, I, I think this will be a, be another entertaining fight, I think, you'd look forward to go the distance again.
1: Right, yeah, and, and at some point, you know, Max Holloway is actually, he's held the belt in this division himself before, so, I mean, both of these guys, um, you know, have held the belt, or, you know, been the champion in this in this weight class, um, and, and, yeah, seem to be somewhat uh you know i think it's going to be a little bit of I, I think maybe the early rounds are going to be a little bit boring mm-hmm. if we can get to you know some of the later rounds i think that's when you're going to really see a lot of the action i think both these guys are going to try to kind of feel each other out a little bit here in the in in the you know first couple rounds yeah i know that they fought you know twice before they kind of already know what, but, what nobody getting. wants
0: to make that mistake but, yeah and yeah yeah
1: in yeah, this you know something that means a lot here yeah you kind of want to feel your opponent out a little bit and then you know when you do have the moments to strike, you you go after it. So, um, like I said, I think this one this one could be very, very interesting because I, I think the winner of this, you could easily say, you know, whoever wins this could be in that conversation of of goat of all time in just the featherweight mm-hmm. division. Both of these guys, like I said, have held the belt in this uh in this uh, you know, weight class. Um, actually both of them are tied with three title defenses at this at this weight class. And many many you know UFC people or you know UFC fans would say that you know probably the former goat or you know the goat before these two guys would be Jose Aldo and both of them have wins over Jose Aldo actually Max Holloway has two wins over over Jose Aldo so you know I think uh, yeah both of them are in the conversation up there of probably the current goat in that in that weight division and and this win either way whether Max or or you know Volkanovsky comes out on top, I think could put them at the top of that, you know, conversation. Um, yeah, they're both fighting for that legacy. Right, there. right. And yeah, obviously, you know, uh, Volkanovsky has the has the better record coming into it 24 or 24 and one. And, you know, I think it's I think it's gonna be interesting. But yeah, I think uh, you know, Max Holloway, I think he might might pull off the upsell. Like I said, you know, third time, third time's a charm, I think, you know, and you see a guy enough times, you you finally start to see where where's where's there kind of a, a chink in the armor or where you know where can i and, and i think holloway has somewhat been on to that in the, in the first couple of fights just hasn't been able to get enough of it to to you know be able to to win it against volkanovsky so i think this one's going to be going to be interesting but you know i think i think holloway might might pull off the upset yeah,
0: yeah, that'd be good, good to see and you know, that, that makes it makes it a little it more entertaining when you yeah. get some title title shake up right and, right you know a little new blood up in there right
1: right because you know, looking at kind of the rest of the card, it's you know, it's it's kind of uh, or you know, a little right. bit of you know uh, whatever, but uh, you know, could could be interesting. Yeah, those those two title fights you're looking at, you know, could be could be interesting, you know, and that that could be you know determining whether this whole you know fight event or you know UFC is is a good one or or a bad one. So. <clears throat> All right. Well, off to off the UFC and moving over to uh, eating some hot dogs <laughs> here. Um, you know, as as everybody we, knows, we go from super healthy looking guys. Yeah. To, yeah. Super uh, in shape to, you know, so. <laughs> we're just going to stuff our faces with hot dogs. So, um, you know, it's a, it's a yearly event that, uh, you know, everybody somewhat looks forward to to watching or maybe you shouldn't watch if you just eaten, uh, because it's it can be a little bit, uh, you know, light on the stomach. So. But uh yeah, it's the Nathan's hot dog eating contest that, you know, always happens July, you know, July fourth time. Um, you know, and I don't think that there's anything more American or, or patriotic, I guess you could say, about uh, you know, watching some some men and some women throw down some hot dogs. So uh it's it like I said, it's um July, you know, July fourth. Um, you know, pretty much everybody has has the day off. So it's just, you know, a good time to, to watch and, you know, see see these women and men just I mean, unbelievably chow down hot dogs it, it's i and, don't even know how they do it, it
0: we, we sat and watched it last year and it, you know right. it's just fun to watch right right i, I, know, it's I just, mean it's not like super athletic or anything right. yeah, there's, but it, it's exciting just to see them they're still go, go. And, like, and, and trying you, to break their own record yeah you,
1: you and look at that. it and you're like man there's not you know there's not any skill or, you know, whatever, but there really is yeah. like, you know, you don't think about it until you you start to kind of look into the details because I
0: mean, sit down and try to eat four or five hot dogs yourself. Yeah. In a row and see because, how
1: you- because I was reading something, the history of it. Um, they used to have, they used to have like in the men's competition or maybe even the women's competition, they'd always try to find or get like a, a celebrity, like fill in to, <laughs> you know, just kind of lighten it up or, you know, just kind of add somebody in there to, to make it a little bit more interesting. And, you know, I, I forget the year. I think it was like early two thousands. They um, they added uh, the fridge from uh, the Bears, yeah. um, William Perry, yeah. into the mix. And you know, you would think the guy. I mean, that guy was four hundred pounds, and he's <laughs> obviously going to be able to eat. You know, a bunch of hot dogs. I remember correctly looking at the looking at the thing. He only ate like four. He was only <laughs> able to muster like four in the in the ten minutes span or whatever it was at that time. And the uh, current
0: record is seventy six.
1: Right. So you know that to put that in perspective, I mean, uh, you know, like I said, we'll we'll kind of talk about you know, uh, the men's division, and and they both you know they got a women's division yeah. now as well. Um, you know, both both of them have somewhat been dominated by the same person over the last you know several several years, but uh, you know, always always interesting to see is there somebody else out there, somebody new that yeah. can knock off the champs. So. We'll start, you know, kind of in that men's division. Um, I think everybody probably knows the household name in, in, in Joey Chestnut. He's won five straight in 13 of the past 14 competitions. Beat his own personal record last year. Like Matt said, he ate 76 <laughs> hot dogs. Second place, the second place finisher, or the next closest person only ate 50. So yeah. he, uh, yeah, he, he blew it out of the water there. Um this year in the men's competition, there's going to be 16 total total competitors. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I had a lot of lot more people there to to compete. Um, you know, it, it could get interesting. But yeah, until until you can beat the best, you are not the best. Yeah. And, and I don't see anybody knocking off the, the, the great here in in, in Joey Chestnut. No, I was
0: looking at some stats on. I just
1: pulled up the number two
0: eater in the world right mm-hmm. now, who's a Jeffrey Esper. I assume will be competing in this. Yeah. I, I couldn't find the list of the mm-hmm. actual competitors, mm-hmm. but. Mm-hmm. But if he is, so his best record on something comparable, he put down 44 brats in 10 minutes. So that's pretty comparable, I would say, to the the hot dogs. So, you know, that's only 44 compared to 76. I I just (sighs) – That's that's the number two eater in the world. Right, right. I I, I can't see anybody even being close to Joey. I Mm -hmm. think he's just battling himself trying trying to to (laughs) break that record Go for 77 or go for
1: 78. I
0: mean, it's – I'd be surprised. But then I I believe also in the competition is – He's like the fifth or sixth in the world right now. And is the guy who actually beat him mm. a few years back in Matt Stoney. It okay. Looks like he'll yeah. Be, he'll, he should probably be in this as well. Mm-hmm. Judging by his world ranking, like I said, I, I couldn't find a list of competitors, but mm-hmm. I, I would assume he'll be in this as well.
1: Right. So, and then, uh, you know, moving over to the women's division, um, similar, so, similar circumstances, I mean, somewhat dominated by, by the same woman, um, actually didn't compete last year because she was giving birth um, so probably a good reason to to not be in this competition but uh, uh, Mickey Sudo has won seven straight like I said she didn't compete last year but you know the seven that you know seven straight that she has competed in she's she's won and won pretty pretty handily uh, when she set her personal record in 2020 she ate 48 and a half hot dogs next closest finisher was 18 yeah. so she almost, almost tripled up there, you know, on the, on the hot dogs, um, for the next closest person. But, you know, the person that won it, won it last year and Michelle Lesko, um, she consumed, um, almost 31. It was 30.75 hot dogs in the 10 minutes. And, Second place last year, a little bit more tighter than, than what we're seeing. And second place was 24 hot dogs, so a little bit tighter competition. But obviously, still nowhere near. Yeah. that, 48 and a half. Yeah, right, but Mickey. When, when Mickey's she,
0: returning, so you, you got to think maybe Mickey, with, with her time off, maybe yes. she got got a little bit of out of eating <laughs> right, shape, right. possibly. And so it could be a little bit you, more you interesting. Michelle that, Lesko probably put in a little effort to to get
1: better. Right, right. I mean, these, these Knowing that she probably a, has to yeah. because the champ or, you know, the, the, the goat of the women's right. hot dog eating contest is coming back. Yeah, these, uh, I mean, these
0: guys take this seriously. To them, this is a competitive sport I mean, they win money. They win yeah, money, they're, so... They're, they're all in on right. it, so, you know, I, I look for the, for the women's to actually be more entertaining than the men. I I, th- I think uh Shell Lesko can, can put up a fight a bit against Mickey Sudo, mm-hmm. but it'll be interesting to see if Mickey Sudo can get back on her record-breaking pace right. and, and Even, try to break her 48
1: and a half. Right, right. Break that and, you know, whatnot. So, yeah, it'll be... Be interesting, you know, just, uh, just a little bit of history about this uh, Nathan's Hot Dog Eating Contest. It uh, started back in 1916 when a Ireland immigrant, uh, Jim Mullen, consumed 13 hot dogs to decide at that time who was the most patriotic. <laughs> so when I say there's nothing more patriotic than stuffing your face full of some hot dogs, this is somewhat how the competition got started was to determine... If I can eat the most hot dogs, I will deem myself as the most patriotic <laughs> American or patriotic person. So, uh, it's just a little, little fun fact. And, you know, actually, this this competition has been wrong, has been a long, uh, longer than the Masters, longer than the NBA Championship, Man. and longer than the Super Bowl. So, yeah. you know, pretty, pretty long history of, of this Nathan's hot dog eating contest. So, you know, lot, lots of history back there. And obviously, it has changed dramatically. I mean, yeah. we go from, the winner ate thirteen hot dogs. To now we're at seventy six. So a lot has changed in you know over the years here since it, it first got started. But uh, yeah, should be should be a fun event always to you know tune in. And, and, it, and it, like I said, and 20- the pageantry
0: too. You right. know they they get this announcer guy right. who's done it for, for years. Right. He just he, he makes they it come exciting. in almost yeah. like
1: they're coming in like a UFC yeah. event. they yeah. you know they announce them and they're coming out of the tunnel and you yeah. know they're all hyped up and whatnot. And some of them have like you know goofy costumes on mm. and you know whatnot. So it's it's just an interesting event and it, and it doesn't take any time at all because they only eat, you know, for 10 minutes. Right. It's, it's over pretty much, you know, that 10 minutes it's, it's over pretty quickly. Yeah. So it's just something to tune into real quick that, you know, it doesn't take a lot of your time. If you're, you know, waiting for the barbecue to finish up, uh, you know, on July 4th and, you know, flip it over there and, you know, watch some people, you know, eat some hot dogs. Hope, hopefully you're, maybe not having <laughs> hot dogs to eat because you may never want to eat a hot dog yeah. after watching this yeah, we're but. just
0: going to hope nobody has what they call in the in the biz a reversal of fortune absolutely which I, I think you can figure out yeah what you, that you is, could but. you can
1: you can determine what that is in your own imagination and, and also
0: it's not just the money they're fighting for they're going after the prestigious mustard belt mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. uh you know that's always exciting to see the winner hoist that over their head too after absolutely to and, and they
1: hold like a, a replica plate of the number of hot dogs that they eat when they get like their you know finishing photo like their winner's Photo, basically they have the you know the mustard belt there and then they hold like a you know a plate okay. that has as many hot dogs that they've uh, eaten kind of pyramided yeah. up to show you know put in perspective <laughs> what they just accomplished right. so it'll be interesting to see but yeah to tune into that it's always a you know always a good time to see what uh, you know how many hot dogs these people can can stuff down their throat so all right well, moving over to uh, you know a, a topic that we don't normally talk about here in the yeah. summer, but uh, that's that's some football here, and uh, you know as we talked about you know early spring, we talked about the you know kickoff of the inaugural USFL game, or you know kind of I don't know if you want to say inaugural because it's somewhat coming back, it used, yeah, 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 a reboot of what what already existed, but it's it's nice to see that finally one of these you know spinoffs of the NFL made it to the end yeah, of the season right. or, you know, made it to the championship game here. And, and that's where we're at in the, in the USFL, this, uh,
0: and, and good news. They are talking about like, yeah, I heard that they the are, out for another couple yeah, of years. Yeah. So, it, so it I heard like it's going to stay around. I
1: heard that, uh, yeah, they're, they're going to be back for sure. Next year. They're not, not adding any more teams. They're going to stick with the eight teams that they got, they're gonna play but for they're going to play home yeah, so. different, different cities. So it's a little bit, you know, makes it a little bit more interesting. There truly is home and, and away, right. you know, it's not all one spot. So, um, you know, it'll be, be interesting to see, you know, but at least I think they're happy that they were able to make it to this point, because yeah. like I said, there have been several spinoffs here that for whatever reason, you know, COVID financial reasons, whatever, have yeah, not even been able to have not nine. even been able to make it through the regular season. And and so, you know, the USFL, you know, someone has to tip their cap and say, hey, we got to the finish line. Yeah. So, but yeah, anyways, uh they're, they're going to play their championship game this Sunday, 730 uh, p.m. over on Fox. Um, and they're going to be playing somewhat in our in our backyard here at the uh, Tom Benson Hall of Fame Stadium in in uh, Canton, Ohio. Yeah. Uh, you know, right where the you know NFL Hall of Fame is. So kind of interesting, you know, spot that they that they pick there. But uh, two teams going to be squaring off against each other. The the Philadelphia Stars coming in with a record of six and four going up against the Birmingham stallions and who I would say is probably the favorite with yeah. a, with a record at nine and one, Matt, what, what do you think about this or what, what do you, what have you thought about the season or, you know, just give me your insight here.
0: Yeah, you know, I'll be honest. I honestly haven't watched as much as I I, I would have liked to mm-hmm. over in the regular season. Yeah. But, you know, it's it's been exciting just to when you're flipping through channels and all of a sudden you see football when right. football's not usually on. Mm-hmm. It, it always catches my eye, makes me stop and at least watch for a little bit. Right, right. But, uh, you know, looking at these two teams, they, they met once in the regular season. Mm-hmm. Birmingham won that game 30-17. to 17. Mm-hmm. Uh, The Birmingham Stallions average 187.8 yards passing per game mm-hmm. and 135.7 rushing. Uh, you compare that to the uh, Philadelphia Stars; they're averaging 184 yards passing, uh, very comparable there in the passing. In the rushing category, though, they're 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 lagging a little bit behind. They only rush for 103.4 yards per game, so mm-hmm. I, I think that's where Birmingham can really have an edge there on the offense. Mm-hmm. Uh, looking at the defense, uh, Birmingham's given up 161 points on the season. Uh, Philadelphia, though, they, their defense uh, hasn't fared near as well, right. and, I, and I mean. I probably shows in their six and four record Mm -hmm. they've given up 215 points i I think they're you know their defense has gotten things a little bit more together clearly as you can see by them yeah you know making this championship championship run right you know i hopefully that doesn't rear its ugly head for them right uh field goal kicking though both these teams have kind of been abysmal in the regular season the stallions only kicked field goals at a rate of 67 percent the stars are even worse at fifty percent. Right. So well, if if this game comes down to a field goal, it's it's anybody's <laughs> yeah, guess on right. how this thing will go. Maybe that should be the tiebreaker. Yeah, but uh, the, you know, looking at the rosters, I, I think the Stallions have a lot more of a star-studded team. Mm-hmm. You're looking at guys like uh, the running back Bo Scarborough, who came yeah. out of Alabama, the who they
1: who they picked up mid-season, actually. Yeah. Um, yeah. I was reading, so he wasn't...
0: was he was on the Cowboys' uh, practice squad for a while mm-hmm. in the NFL, and I think he even appeared in some regular season games for them mm-hmm. uh, they've got their quarterback jamar smith who he's had a cup of coffee in the nfl with mm-hmm. the patriots mm-hmm. uh, tight end sage surratt who okay. was a, a big deal in college he got talked about a lot mm-hmm. a linebacker everybody loved in college and scooby Wright. Yeah, yep. and then a defensive end that played multiple years in the nfl and jonathan Newsom. so okay. i mean there, there's a lot of you know semi big names on on this team and yeah you know i I think they really got the advantage here
1: yeah absolutely i think uh you know like i said record wise you know you can look at the records and say birmingham has pretty much coasted their way through the entire season with that nine and one nine and one record but the stars are kind of making a late push here you know they, they you know squeaked into the playoffs and you know we we say they made a run, you know, they only had to play one game, right. you know, so there there was only four teams that made it into the playoffs, but there are only you know, eight total teams eight the, total in teams in the in the entire league. So, I mean, you know, whatever. You're in the top fifty percent if right. you make it in the playoffs. But uh yeah, I think I think for me it's gonna come down to the to the defense. And for me, you know, Birmingham just has the more stout defense, like you said, giving up a lot less points, um, you know, points per game. I think they're actually second in the league with giving up the second fewest points in the league where you look on the other side, um, you know, Philadelphia giving up a lot more. They're actually tied for giving up the most points in the league. So I think I think that, that if it if it comes down, I think Birmingham has the opportunity to win it no matter what the game, how the game plays out. If we get into a shootout, I think Birmingham has the, the ability to, to, to get in a shootout right. if it gets into you know a tight battle you know, field goal kicking could come into play there. And, and either one of those teams, you know, neither one of those teams has great field goal kicking, but I think if it gets in a tight, a tight game, I like, you know, Birmingham's defense to really, to really step up and, and, uh, you know, make some noise there. Um, you know, and, and a guy that I'm, I'm looking forward to, and that's DeMarcus Gates. Um, he leads the, leads the Birmingham stallion in, uh, tackles with 67 total tackles, 12 tackles for loss and an additional six and a half sacks. So, uh, big big guy there for for uh, Birmingham, so see what what he can do um, against a, somewhat of a uh, you know a, a passing attack there from from the Philadelphia Stars. Um, although I you know talk about defense and actually the Philadelphia Stars, uh, a fellow Michigan man um, in uh, their DB and Channing Stribling um, actually leads the league in interceptions. So you know I think I think it could be could get interesting um, you know and uh, but I think I think Birmingham gonna gonna pull this one out and take home the the you know the championship or the reboot of the usfl you know championship and uh yeah bring bring home um you know and see what happens then like i said for for next season of continuing on you know what what changes do they make or you know whatever and see if they can keep keep this thing going and See what what it might you know what doors might open for some of these okay. guys to to go you know play in the NFL. Be, be for me that will be the most right. interesting thing. Who
0: can get their way uh, yeah back who, who or can get, get their, their way back shot. yeah
1: or get yeah get their first shot to go play or you know whatever based on you know what they did in this in this. You know, shortened small, small season or small sample size. So, and if you happen to be in the Ohio area, last I checked, tickets were
0: still available for the championship mm-hmm. game that could be had for the low, low price of 20 bucks yeah. for your general admission seats. Right. So, so if you're in
1: the area, go check it out. I think yeah. it'll be an exciting matchup. Yeah, just a, a cheap event to go to over, you know, the holiday weekend here if you're, you know, a local person here in Ohio. So, absolutely. <clears throat> All right. Well, we're going to take a, a quick commercial break here. So, Stick with us here and we'll we'll be back to talk some more topics. This podcast is sponsored by Podbean. Podbean is the easiest way to create your own podcast. We use Podbean to host Fired Up. Download the free Podbean podcast app to start, record and publish your very own podcast in minutes. Podbean provides everything you need to run your podcast, and you can record and publish episodes directly from the app on your phone. Download the free Podbean app today that's p-o-d-b-e-a-n head on over to podbean at www.podbean.com and use the code podcast 21 for your first 30 days of podcast hosting for free check it out all right and we're back thanks for sticking with us here well we're going to get into um another you know we're going to get into some more miscellaneous topics we're going to Talk a little bit about the uh, the NBA, and we're going to start with uh, kind of a recap of the NBA draft um, that happened uh, last week. And uh, before I before I turn it over to Matt, I'm just going to quickly run through kind of the the top 14 picks because that's kind of how we you know did it the last couple of weeks of trying to us trying to you know analyze and you know predict where we thought you know guys would end up or you know team which teams would select which players. So I'm going to run through that real quick. And uh, so I'll get started here. The Orlando Magic had the had the number one pick and probably. You wouldn't think a a surprise already at the number one pick, <laughs> right. but we were. I mean, everybody had the the kid out of Auburn being selected number one, number one. He's going number one, and then minutes or hours before the draft, it all shifted, and and you know the all the rumors were no, nope, The Magic are going with the, the forward out of Duke and in, in Paolo Bancaro, um, and that's exactly what they did. They they selected selected him with the number one pick. And then making uh, me look like a genius, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. And, and making the rest of us look like fools. So, uh, then moving on to the second pick, uh, the Oklahoma City Thunder then selected the the big man out of Gonzaga in Chet, Chet Holmgren. Uh, the Rockets selected uh, a guy who, who, like we said, thought was going, going number one, who slid all the way to three in uh, Jabari Smith, the forward out of Auburn. Uh, Sacramento Kings at four selected Keegan Murray, the forward out of Iowa. Detroit Pistons selected Jaden Ivey, the guard out of Purdue, so a couple Big Ten guys back to back there. Indiana Pacers then went with uh, Benedict, Benedict uh forward from Arizona. Uh, the Portland Trail Blazers took a took a little bit of a leap of faith here on a on a guy who hasn't played uh, since high school, um, and Shaden Sharp, the guard out of Kentucky, who you know was on Kentucky's roster but actually never played a single minute for him. So, taking a little bit of a chance there, but. Then moving on over to number eight, the New Orleans Pelicans selected uh, Dyson Daniels, the guard out of the uh, the G League Ignite team. The San Antonio Spurs selected uh, Jeremy Sochan, the forward out of Baylor. Uh, The Wizards, uh, number ten, selected Johnny Davis, the guard out of Wisconsin. And at number eleven, who we thought the New York Knicks would be picking here, uh, actually the Oklahoma City Thunder traded with the Knicks, picked number eleven. They got the uh, the forward out of New Zealand, the New Zealand Breakers, the Frenchman. Osmein um, D'Ang. And then back-to-back picks here for the Thunder. At number 12, they selected Jalen Williams, the forward out of Santa Clara. And then at uh, number 13, the Charlotte Hornets, who actually traded the Detroit Pistons for, for this pick, uh, was Jalen Duran, the center out of Memphis. And to wrap up the NBA lottery, the, the hometown Cleveland Cavaliers went with uh, Oshai Abaji, the forward out of out of Kansas. So that wraps up kind of the, the top 14 picks. Obviously we can't go through every single pick or we'd be here till next <laughs> week. But, uh, so yeah, those, those are the top 14. And, you know, based on, you know, what, what happened out of the, out of the 14, uh, you know, I, I think myself personally got four out of the five correct out of, out of the top 14. And I think overall, all of us here on the panel somewhat had the 14 guys right. in there, just not in the exact order. Um, but yeah, we had, mostly the 14 guys that got picked, we had those 14 guys going somewhere in the top 14. So,
0: so you know, I don't know if that's a
1: good thing or a
0: bad thing. Does right. that mean this was a very predictable draft? And, right, right. And, and, you know, kind of lack some of the sexiness mm-hmm, of, of mm-hmm. the draft. The where excitement. You, you always or, feel like no matter who you get, it's going to be a great thing. Yeah. Or, or now it's like, eh, and no, I think, I think a couple of guys. I think that, that fell
1: off after yeah. kind of the first, because honestly, yeah, the first pick was the big the big mystery. I mean, yeah. everybody thought, you know, Jabari, Smith, you know, whatever. Chet Holmgren's name had been thrown around at one point. I mean, Paolo Banchero. You know, there there were like three guys yeah. there at the top that you know easily could have gone number right. one. And, and like I said, the the surprise really came a couple hours before the draft, and every, you know the Magic say that eh, we we're, we're taking this guy out of, out of Duke, so that that really threw a, a wrench into it. I think the top you know top three maybe threw a little bit of a wrench in there, but then after that, I think it did somewhat become a little bit predictable or, you know, okay. a little bit, you know, set in stone of where, where guys were going to fall after that. But uh yeah, so a little bit of a, a mix up in the, in the, in the top, you know, top three, but then after that real, yeah, real kind of steady. And then I think, you know, the, the draft kind of starts after those 14 picks. Mm-hmm. I I think that's where you could say is like, yeah, the top 14, probably, you know, that's who you thought were going 14, right. the top 14. But then after that, I think, is where the, the the true you find out who the true teams are that really put the effort in, or you know, really trying to get pieces and 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 you know, because
0: and I think might be that, getting that that guy that makes a difference of mm-hmm. a playoff team going from a you know second round team to a possible championship. Right, yeah.
1: absolutely. Um, and I think that's where that's where the heart of the draft really starts is kind of a, after those those you know lottery picks, mm-hmm. if you will, um, of of trying to see what guys really fit, what guys are going to be available. Because yeah. I mean, there's you know, 60 more picks after that or whatever. And, you know, it's it's anybody's game at that point. So, but, uh, you know, just to kind of recap the night, uh, Matt and I both, we kind of went through it and did some, some winners and, and some losers mm-hmm. of, of the draft afterwards. And that could be a combination of, you know, winners of teams or winners of players or losers, you know, players that got, you know, a bad situation or headed to maybe a team that, you know, they're not really going to thrive in or, you know, whatnot. And then some teams that made some real, head-scratching move so we'll start with our with our winners there matt and who, who do you think you know won the night or you know player that won the night or you know team that won the night
0: yeah i'll, I'll do both of Mine. i got a winning team and to me that's got to be just on volume alone oklahoma wow. city mm-hmm. like you said they ended up with three first round picks with their own at number two with chet holmgren the the big center out of gonzaga mm-hmm. and they traded for the number 11 with uh ford Usmane Diang from mm-hmm. New Zealand, and then their own twelfth pick and Jalen Williams, the Ford from Santa Clara. Mm-hmm. All three of these guys are versatile bigs, who, they should pair well with their young star guards in uh, uh, shy Gilgoris Alexander, mm-hmm. and uh, Josh Giddey. So, mm-hmm. you know, they I, I think Oklahoma City got a lot more athletic, mm-hmm. and you know, a, a lot more versatile on their team with 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 these bigs they brought in mm-hmm. and uh, pair with their with their guards, and then the winning player, you already kind of talked all about it. And is that Paulo Benchero? Mm-hmm. He, you know, most people thought he was going to fall to number three mm-hmm. to, to start the day off here. And you know, he didn't even, he didn't even meet with Orlando pre-drafts mm-hmm. didn't talk to him, didn't meet with him. Yeah. So, Really nobody really thought this was happening. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, you know, he, he goes with the number one overall pick. That's gotta be a, a great boost to his mm-hmm. ego and a little you know, bit gotta, more gotta, money to make his him pocket. feel good.
1: And yeah, more <laughs> more money in his pocket. Right, right. Absolutely. Well, uh yeah, no, I, I gotta agree with you, Matt, there. I think we're on the same wavelength and I think uh yeah, definitely the Oklahoma City Thunder, you know, at least one from a pure volume standpoint, and at least one won the first round with with having three first round picks at number two, number eleven, and number twelve. Like I said, they they scooped up Chet Holmgren, and you know from what I was reading or whatever, it didn't matter, you know who was going number one. Unless Chet got picked number one, Mm -hmm. the Thunder were pretty much set on Chet, no matter who went number one. Obviously, so uh, they they you know were pretty content on picking him up, and you know I think it's gonna be gonna be interesting. I mean, obviously, big, tall, versatile guy, long arms, you know can can play both sides of the both sides of the ball. But obviously, gonna have to put on a put on a little bit of weight there yeah. to to you know really be able to bang with some of the bigs in the in the NBA. But uh, you know, I think just one of the all around you know unique prospects um, in this in this draft. Like I said, you know, drafted uh, Osman Diyang, uh six foot ten guy who somewhat passes like a guard. So you know, just real versatile guy in the in that sense. Um, you know, still. Still a little bit, you know, has to refine his game a little bit. Doesn't have the greatest of jump shot, so you know, going to have to refine that a little bit. But you uh, know, I think well worth, you know, you know, taking him at that number eleven pick. And then uh, Jalen Williams, a uh, you know, a wing guy that that can, you know, play both sides of the ball. You know, a guy that can, you know, shoot it from from the wing and, and then can also play defense on the wing or you know whatnot. So I think a couple, yeah, a lot of guys that are just versatile that can give them some some different options to yeah. pair with their already super young roster that they, that they have. I just think that, yeah, they, uh, you know, are, are, going to, going to fit well in, in Oklahoma city. Yeah. I think, you know, are the thunder ready to return to the playoffs or, you know, make a push in Probably the West? Not. Probably not, but they did add some pieces and they do have a, an interesting lineup that that can compete, I think night in and mm-hmm. night out. So it's, I think that they will make a, a step in the right direction or a step forward. Obviously, I, I don't think it's gonna be enough to put them into you know serious you know playoff contention or right. whatever. But you know anything anything is possible with these with these young rosters. So, but yeah, I think that's uh, you know big big winner for me. Um, so we'll move on then to the to the losers, and I'm sure almost everybody's probably got the same loser, or, mm-hmm. or I hope they do. Um, and that that to me is is the New York Knicks. Yeah, uh, and, and it's somewhat the opposite reasons that the Oklahoma city thunder are the winners in the fact that starting the night off, the Knicks had the number 11 pick. Mm -hmm. They, they obviously had a really, you know, a bad record from, from last year. They were hoping that that number 11 pick would have been a little bit higher in the, in the lottery that they would have been picking somewhere closer to top five or, you know, within, within the top 10, but was not the case. They, they got handed number 11. Okay. No problem. Well, somehow by the end of the night, they ended it with no, not a single first-round pick at all, um, and, and how that transpired was the following: uh, the Knicks traded their 11th pick to the Oklahoma City Thunder for three future first-round picks. Right? Yeah, who knows what, what that, what's going to come of that? I mean, obviously that the jury's still out. We'll have to see what what happens. But uh, and then they got back into the first round. By acquiring Jalen Duran, who was the 13th pick, but they wind up trading that again. <laughs> they sent him and Kimball Walker to the Detroit Pistons. So through a mix of trades and, and and moving pieces and whatnot, the Knicks wind up with no first round picks at all in this year's draft,
0: and lose their guard, <laughs> and,
1: and lose you know lose Kimball Walker, and and to me, it, it, it I you know I think it makes sense. But it's going to depend on one thing. They're putting all of their eggs in one basket. That the guard from that the Dallas Mavericks in in uh, in Jalen Brunson. That they're all in on him in this in this free agency. Yeah, I read they're planning on offering him a hundred and ten million dollar contract. So they're all in on him. So I think that the the things that they did were to free up money to move pieces, you know, whatever, so that they can you know offer him as much money as they possibly Mm -hmm. can. But in recent memory or, you know, recent free agencies, the Knicks have been on the outside looking in for the big time, you know, free agents. Um, And so there's a possibility they get burned on this. They really set themselves up, you know, not, not well. Um, So I think that it's a a very high risk, high reward for them, Um, you know, and, and you know, it has not paid dividends for the Knicks in the past. So I think, there's a little bit of little bit of uh, you know eeriness amongst the New York Knicks fans. They you know, I think at the end of the day we're we're sitting there scratching scratching their heads like what did our team just do? Like the, every year I think the Knicks fans are mad no matter what the Knicks <laughs> right. do, um, whoever they draft. But then this it, it just keeps every year the Knicks find new ways to yeah. say how can we confuse or make our fans even angrier right. so it, it just makes it makes it interesting but yeah to me the knicks have to be the big loser for the yeah. night
0: i must say I, I did quite enjoy watching Stephen a smith just practically want to sit there and cry as, <laughs> as his knicks just were doing nothing and right, right. It, it, that, that was kind of fun yeah but uh, you know i agree 100 percent that was the, the team i picked as my losing team I, I picked a few guys that could be losing players in this deal First guy I talk about a little bit is uh, EJ Liddell, the forward mm-hmm. from Ohio State, and he came back to raise his draft stock. Mm-hmm. And throughout the season, he was in the running for National College Player of the Year, mm-hmm. and he he ends up not going until the second round, forty first overall pick to a dumpster fire of a team mm-hmm. in the New Orleans Pelicans. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. I mean, that's just a bad situation for him. He you know he didn't improve his stock, mm-hmm. he could have just gone last year and probably ended up about the same spot. Yeah, so, easily, easily. I mean, uh, two other guys that. These guys are sons of Hall of Famers. Mm, they didn't yep. end up getting picked. You got uh, Scotty Pippen, the son of. Also, obviously, legendary Hall of Famer Scotty Pippen. Pippen. Mm-hmm. You know, his name is slightly spelled different, but yeah. In his career at Vanderbilt, he averaged over twenty points a game in yep. the SEC. I mean, he played good ball. It was mm-hmm. kind of surprising not to see him get drafted,
1: which I did see after the draft. He did yeah. get signed. Yeah. I can't remember which team. It, but was, yeah. it was
0: the Los Angeles Lakers. Okay. Yeah. And then also the uh, the other guy, the, the other son of a Hall of Famer, is uh, Sharif O'Neal mm-hmm. out of LSU. Yeah. Uh, Shaq actually advised him not to go into the draft this year. And, and yeah. He's
1: He's had a weird college career mm. of going to this team, switching teams, hasn't really played yeah. all that much. So I honestly was surprised to see that he even put his name in yep. the running to be in the draft at all, just because yep. you don't know what what you know what he can do. I mean, yep. obviously he's a big guy and, you know, whatever, but you know, just because I guess you're Shaq's son doesn't yeah. always mean everything. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. yeah. And but, uh, he also, though, he he got picked up by
0: the Lakers as well right. on, a, on a two-way contract, just like Scottie Pippen did. Mm-hmm. So they're both you know, they both got signed to a contract in the league, but mm-hmm. they're going to start out there in the, in the G league mm-hmm. and, and, and see if they can really make something of it. But, right. You know, for two
1: all-star sons. And, right. And I think there was another one added to that list in Ron Harper juniors, okay. uh, or Ron Harper. And then Ron Harper jr. Didn't, didn't get drafted as well. And I mean, he had a pretty solid season for, for the Rutgers yeah, this past really you well know. On the defensive Yeah, thing. for this, uh, you know, this past season. And, you know, that Rutgers team was much improved. And I think that has a lot to do with, with Ron Harper's son. So somewhat surprised to not see, you know, some of those, I, I think the two that surprised me the most are Ron Harper Jr. Right. And then, you know, Scotty Pippen, you know, right. his, his son not getting picked up because yeah, I thought both of them had pretty phenomenal seasons or, you know, improved from the years before right. to, to, to really, you know, help themselves in the draft. But, you know, some people just didn't, didn't see the value there, but well, you know, there's still, still opportunity. Pippen was
0: kind of, a- For his position, he's really a tweener in Mm -hmm, size. mm -hmm. His his position is more like a power forward. Is kind of how he plays, but he's he's built more like a small forward to a guard. Yeah, so it seemed like it was just a a rough fit size wise Mm -hmm, for mm -hmm.
1: him. Yeah, absolutely. So, but like I said, both all, all of those guys, you know, got smaller contracts, or you know, have gotten put on teams. We'll see if they can show enough to these teams to, you know, like you said, somewhat switch between the G League and, and, you know, coming up on some nice to play in the actual NBA. So it'll be interesting. Well, on over to um, a couple of guys that, uh, you know, are currently already have been in the league and, you know, making, uh, you know, making news. And we'll start first uh, over over in Brooklyn. And that's Kyrie Irving making his announcement that he is going to opt into his 36 and dollar player option to come back to the Nets for next season. Matt, what do you what do you think of that? This, this
0: whole situation has just been kind of weird because mm-hmm. you know he he acted like when they weren't going to sign him to a multi year contract that he wanted out, he wanted to be traded, and then just all of a sudden he's like, you know what, I'm, I'm going to do something different. Yeah. I'm signing. Yeah. Uh, so I'm I'm going to sign my one year thirty six point nine million dollar contract and mm-hmm. stay with the team. Mm-hmm. But I, I think it's more because he couldn't find the money. Mm-hmm. He couldn't find it elsewhere. He he's been injured a lot these last few years, mm-hmm. and and I mean when he can play, he does still play well. Right? right. I think teams want to see it for a consistent, you know, time, consistent time, time, time frame. frame. Yeah. Time frame. Yeah. And, uh, you know, not being able to do that teams don't want to put that $200 million max contract right. out there. I for mean, he him.
1: is, you know, in his thirties yeah. now, I mean, he's, he's younger or older, I guess you could say. And, and, you know, for a guard, you know, that, you know, depending on how, how things shake up and he's been injured several in the last several seasons, uh, stat that i saw in the, in the last three seasons he's only played 103 regular season games which is wow. only a little over a full season mm-hmm. in, in the past three seasons so uh yeah but i mean when he does play the numbers the numbers are there he does show the flashes of being you know what we're used to seeing from Kyrie. but i think it does have a lot to do with you know and, and some off the court issues that we yeah. won't dive into that you know have also i think somewhat plagued him as well you know that that made the market for him somewhat smaller than I think what he thought. Mm -hmm. Um, And like you said, prior to him saying, I'm coming back to the Nets, he had basically put a list out there of teams he wanted to be traded to. um, and, And that list included the Lakers, the Clippers, the Knicks, the Heat, the Dallas Mavericks, and the 76ers. And if I remember correctly, there was only like one team out of that seven that even had the money to be able to make that work so well, I believe it,
0: the Lakers were the only ones that even offered
1: and the there. Lakers yeah from what I was reading they were the only team that was like seriously interested in even right. trying to make a trade or you know make a deal to to you know bring Kyrie to to Los Angeles which to me would have been another weird situation of you know i gotta imagine they're moving part in this deal
0: would have been the guy we're going to talk about next here mm-hmm. in russell wells restbook who yeah. just opted back in in la mm-hmm. so,
1: absolutely you know,
0: I, I think that's really the only way that money would have worked and mm-hmm. i'm not sure the nets would have wanted that either no
1: i don't know yeah i, I think the lakers probably would have gotten the better end of that deal <laughs> yeah. if, if you know Kyrie could have stayed healthy and just you know focused on basketball per se but uh yeah, to me, you know, we'll, we'll transition then in over to Russell Westbrook here. And to me, there's 47.1 million reasons why Russell Westbrook came yeah. back to the Lakers. And then that's because he opted into his player option of $47.1 yeah. million dollars to come back to the Lakers for next year. And, I mean, there's who, not even one more reason, right? <laughs> who, a, who, who, who wouldn't do that? <laughs> right. I mean, uh, yeah, you're, you're crazy to, to not, not do that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I, I think it'll be, it'll be interesting. I, I, you know, everything that I'm reading, obviously the Lakers brought in a new head coach in, in Darvin ham, you know, everything that I'm reading Westbrook is enthused or, you know, has found a new sense of energy that, you know, he thinks he could make it work in Los Angeles under this new coach that they can fit in the pieces and make it, make it work. Obviously we know the dumpster fire that happened last year with the, with the Lakers, um, you know, and, and some of it, Russell Westbrook, you know, contributed to some of not his fault. I mean, if you look at it between him, LeBron James and Anthony Davis, they only played 21 games together, Mm -hmm. mostly due to injuries to, you know, the whole, you know, the third, the the three there, they went 11 and 10 in those, in those games. So not a great sample size and not even a great record when they did all play together. So it'll be interesting to see, like I said, $47.1 million, on his original five year, two hundred and six million dollar contract, mm-hmm. Westbrook has to make it work here. It has to do something to show that he, you know, is is still a valuable player because after spending eleven seasons with the Thunder, he's now spent the past four seasons with four different teams. So and hasn't played really that great. And hasn't hasn't been, you know, the same player since mm-hmm. he's left the the Oklahoma City Thunder. And so I think yeah, he definitely if he wants to somewhat continue his career or if he doesn't want to really stay in la per se he's gonna to have to show something so that another team is going to be willing to, to take a chance on him and and if he's not the Lakers may cut their losses and then you know your value drastically drops yeah you'll probably go to a championship contender or you know another team but it's at a drastically yeah. lower price than what you you know just came off right. of so yeah. Uh, I don't know what you, what you think, Matt.
0: <clears throat> yeah, no, I I couldn't agree a hundred percent any more than what what you said. That, that forty seven point <laughs> one million dollars was the only reason. Mm-hmm. I mean, heck, I'm not even sure LA wants him back. But, <laughs> yeah, but th- there's really nothing they can do. They're right. they're stuck with that contract. Mm-hmm. They can't trade it. Nobody else wants it either. Yeah, that that's so. It's it was really Russell Westbrook. There was no other choice here. Right, right. I I think that was all there was to it. And, you know, sticking with Kyrie Irving and and that whole deal, you know, there's one more move that kind of affected the Kyrie Irving. As you said, uh, the Clippers were a team that were interested or Kyrie was interested in going to. Yeah. But uh, John Wall actually just got bought out by the Rockets, and mm-hmm. they bought him out of, of uh, his, his deal, of four, and he got $41 million for his buyout. Yeah. And, and now he's talking he's going to sign with the Clippers. Yeah. So I, yeah. I think that made a lot of sense on why the Clippers weren't interested in Kyrie Irving but mm-hmm. getting a, a five-time all-star guard there in
1: John Wall. Yeah, absolutely. And it'll be interesting to see what kind of John Wall we're getting uh, because I mean, basically the Rockets were paying John Wall to sit on the bench mm-hmm. uh, because the last couple seasons, or at least – the past season, they, you know, didn't see John Wall being in their future plans, but just like Russell Westbrook, John Wall had this, you know, crazy high amount in, in, in dollars, you right. know, that he was owed. Nobody was willing to take that on just because John Wall's game has declined because of injuries and things like that over the years. You know, nobody was willing to take that on. The Rockets didn't want to, you know, play him and then he gets hurt and then he's really worth nothing. Right. Or You know, they, so they, they kind of, held him hostage, if you will. But finally they decided we, you know, we're, we're going to cut our losses, yeah. you know, pay out the money and, you know, free John Wall here and, and let him, you know, go where, where he'd like to go. And like so I said, I got to
0: imagine LA is going to be getting them on the cheap though with mm-hmm. him getting that $41 million buyout.
1: So right. I mean, absolutely.
0: This, this could be a, a boom or bust, but I think or... it's a no brainer mm-hmm, for, mm-hmm. for the Clippers. I mm-hmm. mean, there's really a, a no loss if they're getting them on the cheap. All
1: right, Absolutely. All right. Well, the uh continuing in the NBA then. Uh we got some uh head coaching news and that's the Utah Jazz finding their new head coach to lead their franchise and that will be former Boston Celtics assistant Will Hardy um agreed to a uh 5-year deal to become the Jazz, the Jazz's next head coach. Um quick quick fact about that. Hardy at a young age of 34 years of age will be the youngest active head coach in the NBA. Wow. So uh Matt, what what do you think about this signing? Or you know, you happy, mad? What, what, what what's your feeling on this?
0: I don't know. It's definitely interesting. The NBA is a completely different ball game when it comes to hiring new coaches mm-hmm. and the NFL. Mm-hmm. The NFL you look at them, they always seem to keep rebooting the same guys over and <laughs> yeah, over. Yeah. The NBA seems to give these young guys. It seems a like shot. that's
1: been the trend yeah. here recently. It used to be, I think, in the NBA where yeah, you'd, see some, you'd see some you see yeah, he'd be in Orlando and, like, and he'd be in, you know, <laughs> Indiana and he'd be here or there and everything, yeah. but I think it is starting to transition to some of these younger guys are starting to get their shots and yeah. we're, we're to, starting to start to see a, a youth movement in the NBA when yeah. it comes to the head coaches. and I mean you know Will,
0: Will Hardy's you know been an assistant in the league for quite a while now he was assistant in San Antonio and then most recently with Boston he also was an assistant on the team USA Olympic squad okay. so you know he, he's learned from Popovich and obviously a you little know, probably from Coach K as well yep. being on that Olympic squad mm-hmm. so you know, he's learned from some of the best in the game of basketball. absolutely. so I, I think he's he probably definitely has a pretty good idea of what he's doing. Mm-hmm. it will just be interesting to see if if he can translate that to success in the NBA.
1: yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, like I said, this is first you know head coaching experience or you know lead the team here. um he it was down to from what I was reading down to four four finalists for for the jazz uh, head coaching spot. and it was kind of interesting not only not only Harding, Hardy, a Boston Celtics assistant, but other Celtics assistant Joe Mazula was another one that was a finalist, and then Raptors assistant Adrian Griffin and current Jazz assistant Alex Jen- Alex Jensen were were the other ones that rounded out the four that that came down to before you know Hardy was announced as as kind of the winner. Um, and you know just a little bit of little bit of history. You know the Jazz obviously moving on from their head coach and Quinn Snyder, who had been there for for eight years. Uh, compiled a 372 and 264 record, you know, while he was there, Um, you know, in, in six of those eight seasons, um, he went, went to the playoffs um, and actually six, six straight seasons. He went to the, went to the playoffs, but the caveat to that is they never got past the second round Mm -hmm. in the the NBA playoffs. And I think that was, that was it. That was the, the hunch or, you know, that was the kind of the straw that broke the camel's back is that there have been, you know, and with this core, Jazz team that they've had, and Rudy Gobert and, and Donovan Mitchell, and you know Mike Conley there for 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 a long time. They they had some talent and some teams to really right. they they made some noise in the regular season, but then when it came playoff time, they just couldn't, get, couldn't it get it done. They faded, just you know weren't weren't the same team, and just couldn't get past that second round in in the playoffs. So I think that's what what did in, uh, you know, Quinn, Quinn Snyder. So be interesting to see. I think he'll find another job somewhere. He, he did a heck of a job there in Utah. I think somebody else will scoop him up, but, uh, you know, about, about the, you know, the new guy coming in, you know, Hardy comes from somewhat humble, humble background. Um, he played college ball at division three Williams college. Um, and then started, it started his kind of NBA organization, um, career being a video coordinator for the Spurs. So, very, very humble beginnings there. And then, you know, slowly, you know, worked his way up and, you know, was an assistant coach, like you said, under Greg Popovich. Um, and, you know, learn, learned from one of the, the greats of, of all time in, in NBA coaching history. Um, and then got a little bit of, of head coaching experience. Cause he actually, uh, coached four seasons as the Spurs, uh, summer league head coach. So sure. a little bit of, you know, head coaching with some of the younger talent or right. some of the younger guys there in the San Antonio Spurs organization. And, uh, you know, obviously coming coming from Boston, he spent you know one season under the under the curr- current current and I'm Udoka, who you know the Boston Celtics you know went to went to the NBA Finals this year, had a had a phenomenal season, and you know I have to think that that Hardy played Hardy played a you know played a part in that. Right. So he's learned from some some good guys here. So yeah, I think has a, has a pretty talented group out there in Utah. Just has to find a way to to make some noise in the, in the playoffs. Yep.
0: And uh, real quick, before we move on from the NBA, we got some breaking news uh, in the NBA where the Atlanta Hawks just made a big trade. Mm -hmm. Uh, They brought in the uh, all-star guard from San Antonio. DeJounte Murray.
1: DeJounte Murray. Murray. Yep.
0: you know, I, I, the Hawks are kind of going all in here. They, they've mm-hmm. made the playoffs the last couple of years. Right, right. Trey Young's, you know, he's not getting any younger. Mm-hmm, so, mm-hmm. I, I and, think, and getting ready they're...
1: to probably end his rookie year, yeah. you know, rookie contract or yeah. whatever. So they're going to have to look to, you know, get him lock him around, so right?
0: Putting some pieces around him. Yeah, I, I think that's that's a great deal for them. Right, and I think it's a good move.
1: Obviously, had had somewhat of a down year compared to what they had two years ago, yeah. where they made, you know, the Eastern Conference Finals, and you know, would have liked to make it to the, the NBA Finals. But you know, just just weren't able to do it, and then you know this past year definitely had, hot, had the the same expectations, yeah. but just you know didn't weren't able to perform at that and same they had some level.
0: Injuries on that team, right? Too, yeah, really absolutely, kind so, of hampered things.
1: All right, well, talking playoffs in a different sport, and and wrapping up those playoffs, and that's in the the ice hockey arena in the Stanley Cup Finals. Your mm-hmm. uh, your champions for this year. Colorado Avalanche take down the Goliath in 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 Tampa Bay the Tampa Bay Lightning by a uh, you know margin of, of four to two in the in the Stanley Cup Finals. Matt, what do you what do you think about this? Or you know, happy, sad? What, what do you think? <laughs> well, I,
0: I guess I'll say happy since I picked Colorado yep, yep. once we got to this
1: point. I can't say I've been picking them all year. Yeah, I, right. I definitely won't say right, that. But right.
0: these were definitely the two best teams in mm-hmm. hockey. It was really an exciting series. But it, I think it really came down to kind of what I said coming in uh, Colorado was, they were, they were fresher. Their legs were fresher than mm-hmm. they were healthier coming into the series. Yeah. And I, I think ultimately that that's what did it in for, for, uh, Tampa Bay, Tampa Bay at least made it exciting. They, they did win a couple of games and even this final game, you know, uh, Tampa Bay came out to the early one, nothing lead. And then Colorado took the lead back to, mm-hmm. you know, take the lead at two, two to one. Mm-hmm. And, uh, they held on the third period. They played tremendous defense I don't know that Tampa Bay's ever been held to only four shots in a period, mm-hmm. and that's yeah, what that that's deep, that that those fast, you know, athletic, younger legs and you know more well rested legs. I think that's what they were able to do in that that third period. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, she she you know shout shout out to Colorado. They, yeah. They've just they played awesome this year yeah. all playoffs long. They they really deserved it.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I think uh, you know it it the series really got tight the last couple couple mm-hmm. of games there. And they, you know first couple of games were somewhat blowouts by either team. Right. You know, the first game obviously was an overtime win, but you know, Colorado was somewhat in control of that game the whole entire time. And then, you know, the lightning made their run towards the end to, to send it to overtime. But yeah, those, those first three games were somewhat, you know, both teams blew each other out of the water. Then game four five and six, I mean, really could have gone either way, either or, way. Um, you know, it, it was, you know, some tight, some tight battles there, but ultimately the avalanche, you know, come out on top and, you know, Got got enough goals to 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 win it, obviously. Um, but you know, I think this this championship for Colorado has been years years in the making for them. I Believe
0: twenty one years. Since yeah, the so they
1: one. they won one back in two thousand one. But just recent history, I mean, the past three seasons, the Avalanche have been probably easily the best. You know, towards the top, if not the best team in hockey the last several seasons, but sort of like the Utah Jazz, that hasn't translated well in the playoffs. They've gotten bounced in the second round, couldn't make it past the second round. And even in 2018, they lost in the first round. Mm -hmm. And, and, you know, the 2016-2017 team, they finished the worst team in hockey with only 48 points. So in a matter of, you know, five years here, we've seen a team go from being one of the worst teams in hockey to you know, obviously winning the Stanley Cup being the best team in hockey. Um, so definitely, you know, has been you know just slowly building to this point for for Colorado, and they finally were able to put all that together and, and you know hoist a Stanley Cup. And I yeah. think that you know is 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 phenomenal for them. Um, you know, they they finished this postseason nine and one on the road. So and their only loss coming in this in this series mm-hmm. against the Lightning at, you know when when Lightning were at home, but. Otherwise, you know, phenomenal record on the on the road and an even better record, I think, at home as well. So they, they you know, hats off to them. They knocked off the lightning, you know, preventing them from being, you know, a three-peat, um, you know, champion. Well, and that's but, what I was going
0: to say to really put this in perspective you know, Tampa Bay was going for a three-peat, their third championship in a row. Mm-hmm. This is only the third championship in all of Colorado's history. Right. So that yeah. that just shows you how amazing these Tampa Bay teams have been the mm-hmm. last two years. Mm-hmm. It is not easy to win a Stanley Cup over and over and over again, I mean, absolutely. and they, they've just made it look easy. So, yeah. so hats off to Tampa Bay for another great season yeah. as well. Yeah,
1: I mean, and they, they're expecting to be right there in the hunt again yeah. next year. Um Obviously, I think Vegas has, has Colorado, as, as they should, the, the favorites mm-hmm. going into next year, but the lightning are right there, you know, right on their heels. Yeah. So just a uh, quick, quick fact about, you know, Colorado's coach before we, you know, wrap this thing up. And that's uh, the Avalanche's coach in uh, Jared Bednar. He becomes the first coach to win the NHL's Stanley Cup, the American Hockey League's Calder Cup, which is kind of like the division below the NHL. And then the ECHL, which was formerly the East Coast Hockey League, the, the Kelly Cup, which is, you know, the championship of the league even lower than the, than the ACA or the AHL. Um, so he's done it in all three, you know, all three divisions of, of hockey here only coach to do so. So he's had his, you know, his fair share of lumps and uh, he was actually the head coach of the team that of the Colorado team that had that, that really bad record back in 2016, 2017. So he's been, you know, through the roller coaster ride, but it, it finally all came together, finally all paid off. Colorado gets their, gets their championship. Um, you know, first one since 2001 and they, and they earned it. So, all right. Well, that's all we got for, for this week's show. So we appreciate you for listening to fired up with your hosts, Colton Cal, Matt Cordes. We uh, hope you enjoyed our episode this week. And uh, if you want to hear other topics for future episodes, or, you know, you just got a burning sports question you want to hear us talk about on the show, feel free to reach out to us on our different social medias. We got an Instagram page which uh, the handle is fired up underscore podcast, or you can find us over on Facebook at fired up comma sports podcast. Um, or as always, you can head over to our website, uh, which is fired up one dot dot com, where you can find all of our past episodes and, you know, just a little bit of information about the show. And you can, um, you know, of course find all of our past episodes on pretty much any podcast platform you could think of Apple, Google, Pandora, Spotify. So anywhere where you can find a podcast, you can find our show. So, Appreciate you guys listening, and as always, stay fired up.